Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And with the passing of Queen Elizabeth, death has been on my mind. And I have been caused to think about many different encounters with death that I've experienced in my life. You know, I realized I can't even remember all the funerals I have done, and certainly all of those that I have attended. I realized that I can't even recall all of the details of deaths that occurred while I was there in the hospital room or in someone's home when they passed away. I also realized that there have been some that I will never forget for different reasons. There was one in particular that was most memorable and not in a good way. But because of the absolute dread with which the person facing the end of life on earth was experiencing, it even involved hallucinations, terrible hallucinations, about what was coming to get him. The anticipation of death is experienced by different people in different ways. When man was created, I do not believe that death was originally in the picture. God created a garden in Eden and placed Adam and Eve there. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 9 we find, And out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The only tree they were prohibited from eating was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Even young children know what happened. Adam and Eve did eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and in so doing, sin entered into the world. As a consequence, death entered into the world. How did that happen? Well, I think we find the answer clearly stated in Genesis chapter 3, verses 22 through 24. It tells us, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil, and now lest he stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he drove man out, and at the east of the garden of Eden he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword which turned in every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. Adam and Eve lost access to the tree of life because they sinned. Death was one of the consequences, and it continues with every person today. We all are sinners and must face the inevitability of death. How we face that inevitability depends upon each of us. And since the passing of Elizabeth has caused my mind to be drawn to the subject of death, I've been thinking of Paul's letter to the Philippians time and time again. He wrote that letter while imprisoned in Rome having been refreshed by what the Philippians had sent to him through their messenger Epaphroditus, and how Epaphroditus can take word of Paul's situation back to them.
Let's look now at Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 26. This is what we find. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else, and that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that this shall turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provisions of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that I shall not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness Christ shall even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose. But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and to be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. And convinced of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. I realize that this is Paul that we're talking about here, but it is somewhat remarkable that there is no whining or complaining about his situation, even though there were some brethren trying to cause him distress. He knew that Caesar held the power of life or death over him, and although it appears that Paul was confident that he would be released, and he was, he was not absolutely certain of that at all. But, he insisted that he was not facing a death sentence. Instead, he was facing a life sentence. I say that because no matter what the world did to him, he was going to receive a sentence of eternal life. Paul wanted the Philippians to understand this, and he described in such simple terms what life or death really meant. As Paul discussed his life sentence, he found joy and purpose even as he was going to die. He wrote, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Compare that statement with Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, where Paul wrote, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and delivered himself up for me. Christ was everything to Paul. As he saw it, what else was there to live for but to serve Christ? All of his aspirations, ambitions, hopes, labors, everything was summed up in him. It reminds me of his statement in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1. Be imitators of Christ, of me, just as I also am of Christ. Paul had determined that his purpose in life or in death was to act like, talk like, and be like Christ in every way possible. Yes, Paul found himself under arrest. But even in that situation, he could treat his guards and his companions the way the Lord would. 
If the Romans set him free, he had one task. He was to be like Christ more and more in every way. If the Romans decided to take his life, he had one task. He was to face his death the way Jesus faced his. For Paul to live was Christ. This is vital for all of us to understand. We are on this earth to represent Jesus at all times and in all situations. We need to see that God has granted us life, not just so we can enjoy stuff, but so we can be more and more like his son. The purpose of our lives is to imitate Jesus and glorify God. If we keep this in mind, we too can face a future that may seem challenging or even daunting. As Paul faced an uncertain future in this life, he kept this priority in front of him. If he lived, he lived for Christ. On the other hand, if he died, that was okay. Better than okay. In fact, he preferred death from a purely personal level. He wrote, having the desire to depart and to be with Christ, for that is very much better. If one day the Romans sentenced him to be beheaded, a common way for Roman citizens to be executed, then he received the very goal of his life. He would get to be with Jesus forever. Look at 2 Corinthians 5 verses 8 and 9 where he expressed a similar sentiment. He wrote, We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore also we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. Paul longed to be with the Lord. This is the good news for every Christian. If we get sick and die, or some tragedy befalls us and we are killed, we get the very best there is, eternal life with the Lord. Paul's attitude toward death is remarkable. It held no fear for him, only joy and redemption. He never really seemed to focus upon death. He always looked beyond it to the salvation he would receive. This is important. We need to learn to look beyond the moment of death to the moment of triumph when all of the things we so strongly believed are realized. That is why Paul could say that he rejoiced. He rejoiced if he was to keep on living since that many would continue to imitate Christ. And he would rejoice if he was to die because then he would be with Christ. Back in the passage which we began in Philippians 1, Paul expressed confidence that he would live and be released and perhaps, not for sure, but perhaps be with his brethren in Philippi once again. Although the future was not certain, Paul seemed to believe that he would be released from this imprisonment. He saw himself as still needed. So if he was released, it was because God still had use for him in his life. The Philippians needed him. Other churches needed him. Paul still had work to do for the Lord in this life. One thing about Paul and his writings, he never saw staying alive as a goal in itself. Hanging on to this life just to hang on was pointless. If we are here, it must mean that the Lord still has work for us to do. If we are alive, it is about building up the body of Christ. If we are alive, it is about ministering to others, both in and outside the body of Christ. If we are alive, it is not just to enjoy the blessings of life. It is to become more like Christ and glorify God. Back in Philippians 1, Paul wrote about the joy he was feeling. It is almost like he was telling the Philippians, don't worry about me. 
He was happy if he lived because that meant more service for the Lord. He was happy if he died because that meant he got to be with the Lord. He was confident either way. He was not going to wait for his circumstances to improve in order to be happy. I want to get to that point in my life. Paul's words help us to understand that we must focus our thinking and come to realize what really matters. For a Christian, there is no reason to dread dying. We should see death and life as the chance to serve the Lord more and more. What matters is not whether we live or die. What matters is how we live until we die. So Paul, in Roman custody, still found joy and purpose. This is what James had in mind when he wrote James 1, verses 2 through 4. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. History indicates that Paul was released from prison that time. Two or three years later, he would be in prison once again, and the result would be death. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6-8, through 8, Paul wrote the following, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. But we know that in his eyes, both situations were victorious. How can we do that as well? How do we do that? How do we get to the point where we can say, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain? I think the answer is found in Philippians chapter 12 and verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The purpose of life is to be like the Son of God and in so doing glorify God. This gives every life real meaning. We're not put on earth just to go through the motions of making a life. We are here to represent the Son of God in every situation. That is, every choice we make, every action we take, every word we choose to say should reflect the Lord's presence in our lives. The best part of being like Christ is not just that it gives life meaning. The best part is that it gives death meaning. Death no longer looms as our insistent enemy. Death instead becomes our door of access into the presence of the Lord. So then, be it life or be it death, we are safe in the hands of Jesus. Thanks for listening.